2: the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit wesellorlando.net. What's happening tonight, fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold at podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you on another busy uh, week for UCF Sports. We've got baseball blowing up like crazy. We've got, um, obviously, basketball, the tournament. We've got uh, women's basketball actually finished up. Uh, They're running the American Athletic Conference Tournament. All that to cover Eric. Uh, but of all the things that we got going on, what has been your favorite so far? What, I mean, are you looking forward to what, 12 hours of basketball tomorrow? At Amway? Heck
0: yeah, brother. I'm going to be there from the opening tip to the last tip. I don't know how I'm going miss- to survive, but I will. Me and Brian Murphy will be out at the Amway Center all week for the American Conference uh, Championship Tournament. It's looking forward to it. You see, i getting the 9 o'clock slide, which is kind of annoying, but it is what it is, and uh, looking forward to seeing this tournament uh, unfold. and. Uh, what storylines developed there, and see if UCF has uh, you know run in them or not.
2: Well, they, 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 we saw a little bit of a run there from the women's team. They got to the uh, semifinals, where where they uh, came up short against USF. We'll talk about that. We will. Uh, we also have uh, Mike O'Donnell joining us uh, to talk about the American Athletic Conference tournament and UCF's chances uh, this year as well. But uh, but again. The big story right now is UCF baseball. We're going to talk about that with Brian Murphy. Before we do, just a reminder for you, hit us up at com. You can also hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash black and on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric Lopez is at Eric Lopez Elo. Brian Murphy is is at spokes underscore murphy and that's where we begin right now so just to set the scene for you we're recording this wednesday night ucf has just completed a two-game home and home sweep of wait 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 wait.
0: hold on a second What? wait they actually finished the first game i was there they actually finished <laughs> it because I, I thought they were still playing personally
2: no, well they, they had none of that they actually finished the second game too they actually had enough time to travel up to Gainesville. And play the second game tonight, and I, a, UCF, I bet
0: you that game it went longer than the actual trip to Gainesville.
2: Well, the final, the final tonight in Gainesville, four to two, UCF gets the win uh, in Gainesville. Great outing by Joe Sheridan uh, to get the job done for uh, for the Knights in a game where uh, pitching was uh, pitching where, where pitching was the name of the game, and coming off that nine to seven win at John Yuliano Park. On Tuesday, that's two straight wins over the number one team in the nation, one here in Orlando, one in their place. So uh, UCF causing some waves in the national picture in college baseball. And joining me right now to talk about it is Brian Murphy. All right, Brian Murphy, our resident baseball expert here at Black and Gold Banneret, joins us now. Spokes underscore Murphy. If you're on Twitter, you should follow him. If you don't, that's on you. Murph. What a week! What a week, man! Holy moly! Here we are coming in. UCF comes in what you know off the sweep of Wagner. All right, not exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you you take care of business, what you're supposed to do, whatever. It's early season. You get a big test against Florida, home and home. You come in number 23 in the country. They're number one, and boom, boom, two games. One in Orlando, one in Gainesville. UCF wins them both. They get the sweep of the number one team in the country, back to back nights. What are we to make of this?
1: Well, it's it is kind of surprising considering that, you know, this team, you know, struggled early in the year to even hit anything. Uh first week of the year they really just did not do much offensively. And then they blow up and it's one thing to blow up versus Wagner where they said that big, big weekend series against Wagner, but to, to offensively do what they did last night, they did on Tuesday against uh, Florida was pretty incredible. Uh, and then tonight, I think we should, you saw with Joe Sheridan uh, with another really strong start um, and that bullpen, like if they can just get any sort of offense, this team is in good shape because this team is pretty loaded on the mound. Um, Is it you know? Look, you can celebrate it, but I'd also say it's March, and in in a in a college baseball season, it's still very very early. We have not even reached conference play. This is obviously a great feat, um, but I think uh, I think this team is still looking forward to getting better as they move toward conference play.
2: Well, one thing I was encouraged by was the fact that. in uh, on Tuesday night in Orlando, the Knights won the game with the Bats. Okay. They were down three mm-hmm. nothing. Uh then they heated up. Yeah, you, know, you know, back and forth there for a little bit. They were up they were up eight to three, uh, and then Florida kind of chipped away at it but finished it off nine to seven. Tonight yep. it was the arms. It was Joe Sheridan and you know, the last couple innings notwithstanding, you know, pitching is what won this game when you hold Florida to two runs um in their home park. So uh, anything you know? What are the things that you look at from from the way they've won the past two nights that you're like, okay, this is like this is the real thing that they can build on.
1: Well, there's two things this team is okay. So, well, we know the pitching is good. Offensively, this team does one thing better than almost any other team in the nation, and that's steal bases. Uh, they run uh, whenever they get a chance, and they are very very successful at. It. I think uh, coming into tonight. They were, I believe, forty-four for 49 on the year in stealing bases. I uh, haven't looked at the stats. I'm not sure if they if they stole more bases tonight.
2: Yeah, forty-four but, uh, or forty-nine coming into tonight. And I'm actually trying to pull up yeah. the box uh from and this then season. T- I'll have
1: that in a second. Tonight tonight Rowan Thomas got caught stealing early on. So now they're forty-four or fifty uh, overall for the season. Uh it's it it's very, very good. This team loves to run. They know they don't have a ton of power like Rylan Thomas has pop Um, Dallas Beaver can definitely hit one out. Matthew Micah hit one out tonight, which was a little surprising. But this team is not going to it's not the Earl Weaver teams of the of the 70s. Right. These this this team is going to try to get on and get over uh, and then get in by by making things happen. Um, Then, you know. One thing that's interesting, so that's offensively, it's kind of what this team's makeup is. One thing that's interesting in the bullpen, we saw it tonight. So Garrett Westberg, uh, who uh, transferred in out of of Tacoma Community College in Washington State, Mm -hmm. uh, has sort of come in, and he's gone from a guy who was in middle relief to yesterday, he was seen as the closer in a three-run game, which Bryce Tucker was warming, but they didn't bring Bryce Tucker in. Um, and it was like, okay, so maybe he's like the co-closer. Then tonight they bring in Bryce Tucker. Now Tucker, they bring in Bryce Tucker in the eighth. He struggles a little bit, but he gets through the eighth. He gets to the ninth. Um, and with two outs in the ninth, one man on in a 4-2 game, and in the middle of an at-bat and a oh, 1-0 count, Love Lady comes out, takes out Tucker, and brings in Westbrook to get the final out. I'm not sure what happened there? Uh, I'm not in Gainesville because uh, I wanted to be here for the AAC basketball tournament tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Uh, but, you know, it's odd to see a, a pitcher be taken out middle of the at bat. And then it's Bryce Tucker being taken out as well uh, for Garrett Westberg, who, again, two nights in a row is the guy on the mound to be the number one team in the nation. He's really stepped up. And th- that says a lot about what how much trust Lovelady has in him.
2: Tucker was skittish in the eighth and ninth. He was called on to uh, to deliver a four out save, and in the eighth, he ended up throwing twenty three pitches. It was a f- total in total it was a forty five pitch eighth, um, which was kind of Florida's last really good shot at uh, at getting back in it. But he somehow found a way out of it, and even into the ninth, uh, he looked like he was getting hit a little bit. I don't know what was going on with that. We were we were both watching the game on the SEC network. Did you see anything there that you know was cause for concern? That or or it's just it just wasn't his night.
1: I didn't. I don't. I don't have the channel. I was listening to the game on radio with Mark Daniels. Okay, yeah. And uh, it was just it just uh, nothing. There was nothing that could be said. They didn't know what was going on. Just sort of interesting that yeah they took him out. Uh, they took him out with a, with a one zero count. I mean. He, you know, he, yes, he got through the eighth after giving up a run. It was not pretty. It was, it was a very taxing eighth. Uh, but then he got a double play ball in the ninth. Yeah. Uh, big. then gave up a double and then gave up a double. I'm like, okay, well, you gave a double, but then you allow him to at least approach the next batter. Uh, and, and then that's it. Like he, they, they take him out after one pitch to the next batter. That'll be something that I really am interested to hear what Lovelady's responses to that. But the, maybe the bigger takeaway other than what's going on with Bryce Tucker is that Garrett Westberg is a major weapon right now for this bullpen. And this was already a bullpen that had enough weapons, uh, with whatever they could do with JJ Montgomery early on, although he should be a starter from here on out, but obviously with, with Kree fin- with Kree Finfrock, with Eric Heppel, uh, with Jackson Clare, uh, uh, um, uh, Jalen Whitehead's pitched well, um, there's been a lot of guys who pitched while his bullpen. So now another guy and a, a really a, a a really really good pitcher in Westburg. Um, it's just another another way this team can beat you. All
2: right, so uh, let's look big picture. I, I know that the the rankings don't matter, right? Because we have the tournament. Not right, there's, not right now. There's 18 different rankings. Um, it, and Baseball America coming into tonight had Florida at number one. Uh, UCF at number 23. Uh, Florida was number ranked number one in several others. D1 Baseball Top 25, where UCF is not ranked. Uh, College Baseball Writers Association uh, had uh, Florida number one, UCF at 29. Uh, and let's see. Coaches Poll, items. I'm actually just rifling through it right now. Coaches Poll had, U, had UF at number one, nothing from UCF. In fact, they were receiving votes uh and RPI which is a whole different animal has florida uh down quite a bit they're actually 23rd in the RPI uh and UCF I'm still looking I don't even see them there they are 90th so yeah all that notwithstanding what does this what does sweeping florida back to back do for UCF in the national picture, what does it do for them in the rankings? How does it help them?
1: Well, it certainly should get them in the top twenty-five. I know that's what anybody cares about. So, if you care about seeing your team in the top twenty-five, they should be in the top twenty-five rankings across the board now. Uh, I mean, when you beat the, the you know the number one team, uh, you know, in a home and home series, you, mean, you beat them on both champs. sides. Yep, defending champs, yeah. Um, it's a big deal. And they were already pretty much on that edge anyway, after, you know, beating Virginia to start the season, uh, and then winning. Now they've won nine in a row. So it's not like they have come in here stumbling. I know they haven't beaten great teams since that Virginia win, but they've still won those games, uh, which is important. So, uh, yeah, they should be in top 25. For the team, obviously, it's a huge confidence builder. I mean, you know, you can't write off last night as, you know, well, you know, a game that's kind of a fluke or whatever. Like, no, they did it again the next night on the road and they did it in an entirely different fashion. They can they they beat you, you know, on Tuesday with their bats and they beat you on Wednesday with their arms uh, in different locations and it's the best team in the nation, so uh, I think I'm interested to see where this team goes from here as far as like they should not be doubting themselves in any way. Um, you know I, you know, look out Siena, which is which is happening this weekend here at home. Um, and then nationally, you know, people who like college baseball should should know about this team already. I mean, it's not like this team is gonna like sh- should surprise you that this team could beat Florida, and I'm not saying you should expect them to do what they've done. But this team was already really good. Uh, it was, you know, obviously that's why they were already ranked in some polls. Um, and, you know, they they stumbled early on. The hitting was a question mark, but the young guys, like last night, like Tyler Osick and Brody Wafford, got some big hits. Rowland Thomas has been a consistent producer. Uh, Ray Alejo's been a tear on the base paths, and then guys like Jackson Webb, Chandler Robertson seems to get a hit every time he pinch hits. Matthew Micah is on an amazing tear right now, yeah. And that's just that's just the that's just the offense. And, you know, the arms are a completely different story; they're loaded. So it's a very good team already. We knew this team was very good. This probably should like heighten their profile a little bit, but you know, it's not like people are going to be like shocked that this happened. I mean, this is already a very talented team.
2: Well, we know how volatile those rankings can be. UCF was last ranked top ten in baseball in any poll uh, in twenty. Fifteen. That was by D1Baseball.com after the Knights had a 10-1 and start to the season that year. Uh, prior to that, it was the first time since 2012. So uh, both of those were in the Terry Rooney uh, era. So uh, looking at it now, I don't know if uh, UCF is going to pick up enough votes to get into the top 10, but I don't know. We'll see. So uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. the upcoming schedule, Siena perennially uh who seems to come down here uh, it's a doubleheader on saturday and then a single game on sunday followed by bradley again on tuesday miami against wednesday miami on wednesday uh all these games will be on ucf um what will you be looking at here in the next uh in the next week uh for ucf baseball
1: well, I mean, you want to see how they respond now, right? Like, okay, so after this confidence boost and everything we want to say about that, like what this win does for them, it doesn't matter unless you, if you come out and play poorly against Sienna. Um, so definitely want to see what they do there. Uh, you'll have Chris Williams on the hill for one of these games. I'm sure you'll have Jordan Spicer out there as well. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure they'll have uh, um, Sad Ward out there. Um, and then, you know, really the next game of, of, notice the fans will care about is the miami game here in orlando on march 14th which is a wednesday Mm -hmm. um of course it's greg love ladies alma mater but you know we've gotten past that story they played last year we you know it's we're past that it's just another test it's just another test this 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 schedule and and you and me talked about this jeff uh before the season started the schedule is potted with big opponents uh, kind of scattered around throughout, which is why after Miami, they've got Florida State. They've got Miami again later in the year. They have Oklahoma in the mid, you know, in May, um, you know, yeah, they're going to have a tough conference and but they're also testing themselves out of conference all over the place. Right. So uh, no, just be interested to see what, what happens. Well, right
2: now they're at uh 10 and th- is it, is it 10 and three now? Yeah. 10 and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we said, back home for Siena for three this weekend, including the doubleheader. On Saturday, Brian Murphy, uh, here, our resident baseball expert for com Brian, what do you have coming up this weekend? You're going to be, uh, in uh, Amway, right, for the uh,
1: men's yeah. basketball. Yeah, I'm going to get there early on Thursday because I want to be there for what, 11 hours of basketball? Like, come on, <laughs> who doesn't want to watch that? So I'll oh, have man, a little man. piece up, I'll have a little piece up this morning, or well, Thursday morning on a little preview of the UCF basketball's game against, uh, East Carolina and uh, a couple of things I'm working on as well.
2: Sounds good, man. We'll be looking forward to it. Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter, uh, where you can catch him all this week, uh, with men's basketball. And then whenever we move on from that baseball as well, Brian, thanks for joining me, man.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey.
2: All right. See you at the tournament. All right. Thanks again to Brian. And, uh, you can follow him at spokes underscore Murphy. Like I said, he'll be at, uh, the American conference, the American athletic conference basketball tournament all week. Uh, as will you, Elo.
0: Yeah, in fact, depending on when you're listening to this, we're already there. We're yeah. already getting ready.
2: You guys are college basketball junkies, man. This is actually a blast. But, and what's uh,
0: amazing is this conference tournament day might actually, actually will end quicker than college baseball games end, which is remarkable, but okay. that's a whole other
2: story. Now, let's, let's, ev- <laughs> let's everyone run an ISO right now, to use a basketball term, and clear out this side of the floor for Eric Lopez, who has a hot college baseball take. You may go.
0: Well, let me just say this. First of all, fantastic two wins for UCF. Huge uh, credit to Greg Lovelady making the move, going with Montgomery, going with Sheridan. It paid off. And I think people are getting the wrong idea why he did this. He wanted to do it not only to beat Florida. Yes, obviously. But I don't think this was just to improve the NCAA resume. I think he did this because he wants to build a resume to host a regional. Don't you think, Jeff? Host a regional – now you've beaten Florida twice. He's going to throw probably Montgomery uh, or Sheridan, whatever he chooses to do, against Miami next week. You beat them. You've got Florida State the week after that in Tallahassee building a resume to where if this team it, it wins, let's say, the American Conference regular season title or right at the top in a league that's a top five, top six at worst conference in baseball, we anticipate. They put themselves in a position to host. I think that's what this move was about. It wasn't just about beating Florida. It wasn't just about putting at large a resume. It's about trying to build a resume to host a regional. You buying that?
2: I, I mean, why the hell not? Right? I mean, yeah, I, mean, it is, I it, like it. At this point in the season, that sh- that should be your obvious uh, goal. You know, is you know, set yourself up for a regional. I mean, that we, we they had a chance last year in order to you know in order to do it. Things just didn't quite work out that way, but. Uh, that's the you know, if, if that's the case that you're looking for, yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally on board with that. Um, you know, typical college baseball game tonight, you know, it took a while, but I think, but wouldn't that be something if, if in this first year of the newly renovated John Uliano Park, if they could host, right?
0: I think so. I hope they get that done so we can host. Yes, I think they have a it's legitimate shot to host. It's getting close now.
2: It's getting close. I, I, know. I you're, think you are going to be more, done. You're, I think you're very optimistic be, about yeah, it. Yeah, I think they're going to be done by the time conference, conference gets around. That's huge. You I know? think that's big. Um, look, I think
0: Miami's not going to host. I think Florida and Florida State are obviously going to host. But, you know, they've had three teams host in the state. And I think if UCF – again, I think UCF was sort of in the conversation last year. It took a big run by Florida State host and then UCF got knocked out in the semis in the conference tournament losing to East Carolina uh, to kind of kill their buzz a little bit but I, I think they can get themselves in position to host if and that's why I think he took this move and he did it worked out. I mean, Sheridan was good. Uh, he was great. Uh, the umpires kind of shrunk the strike zone, which really, as somebody who has been going to Gainesville for softball for many years, it, it always happens no matter the sport. It's softball or baseball, that strike zone shrinks when you go to Gainesville for it's opposing It's isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's just – it's like a cold, man. I don't know what it is. But um, big, big for them. Big for them to get those two wins. Plus, remember, you've got to win over Virginia in the bag. So –
2: yeah. It's a
0: heck of a resume already for this team. I think they're, they're going to pr- try to play in the mix uh, to host. I know people were concerned about their offense and it's struggling. Well, guess what? They hit Florida pitching. Now, granted, it is a midweek, so Florida didn't throw their weekend guys. Uh, but you know what? Who cares? Neither so, did UCF.
2: Uh, that,
0: <laughs> well, no, they did. I mean, they, I mean, Sheridan is a weekend guy that got moved to pitch on that midweek, which is fine. I mean, he's a weekend guy, which is going to be interesting. I was at the Tuesday night game, uh, home game, when they beat Florida. Nine to seven. Montgomery has electric stuff. Seeing him live is just awesome. I mean, it's just awesome. But uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting if he can it, does, what he does. Love Lady does with Montgomery moving forward. This was a co- part of the conversation uh, at the stadium. You know, in between all the coat managers coming out and arguing with Umps or you know, scratching themselves or talking to the pit, <laughs> you know the pitchers. You know, killing unnecessary time.
2: Um, Tell us how you really feel.
0: <laughs> we were discussing. <laughs> How if Montgomery is there a spot for him in the rotation? He has electric stuff. Um now he's a little wild still. He's still young. But I look at this rota- this pitching staff with Sheridan and you got Williams and you've got Spicer. You know, does Montgomery eventually get himself into that weekend rotation? Or does Lovely to keep him in this kind of role where he brings him in relief, maybe on the weekends, midweek starter? It's, I'm fascinated by the depth of this pitching staff and how he handles this moving forward.
2: Well, as you look at the schedule, I would not be surprised to have him be the 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 big midweek guy before you get to conference play. I agree. Like you have that Wednesday, March 14th against Miami. You have the you have that Tuesday, Wednesday at Florida State. Sure. He's. I think he should go with one of those. Uh, and then, and then that starts conference play. So, I could see a situation where he maybe, you know, he uses him midweek for one of those Florida State games, and then holds him out for the for that ECU series, which starts two days later, and then puts him into the weekend rotation. You know, starting with the Memphis series at the end of March. So, but again, that's pure speculation. If you really want the skinny on this. Follow Brian Murphy at Spokes underscore Murphy because he's going to be following uh, UCF uh, baseball all throughout um, the season. All right. Um, continuing on. Uh, let's talk a little women's hoops real quick. Well, because, let me get
0: my rant You promised
2: me you give me my Oh, I thought you abandoned the rant. Well, I, no, I, okay. I, I set the table. For, look, I gave you a perfect assist right there with no. the layup and you yeah, and you no, pass it back out to the No, park.
0: I didn't. I'm doing college baseball. <laughs> I just drag on. I'm just dragging it on because that's what college baseball does. Is it too much to ask? First of all, to enforce a pitch clock. Number 1. Number 2, limit visits to the mound. And I'm not just talking about managers. I'm talking catchers, first basemen, second basemen, you know, the obvious moves that you do to kill time because your reliever's not avail is not warmed up enough yet in the bullpen. Why can't we just have these simple little tweaks of rules that don't affect – You know, it's not a drastic change to the sport. It's a great sport, and yet people flip out if you, God forbid, throw a little suggestion. It's like in Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred wants to put a pitch clock, and the Major League Union cried like a bunch of wimps. They were like, oh my god, you thought the world was coming to an end. People aren't going to sit for three hours and 40 minutes of a baseball game, and no, should it be do it that there's no reason a baseball game should be that long Uh, with all that unnecessary stuff if you eliminate some of that you would actually speed up the game I give women's basketball credit in that they adjusted with by going by four quarters and you can help me out this because you've been to more women's hoops than I have limiting the timeouts and the game has gone faster it's been great why can't baseball tweak a little bit and help their product a little bit Jeff, I called two softball games on Tuesday. They went a combined two hours and 15 minutes. You're telling me we can't get a nine-inning baseball game to be about three hours consistent? we got to go 330, 345? I mean, the Rice game was another marathon. Help me here, please.
2: Well, if I'm not mistaken, the SEC does have a pitch clock, do they not? Oh, they experiment. I've seen them in force, and in maybe
0: it's just for conference games. I'm guessing anyway, if they do. I, have, I know they presented that a couple of years ago, but I don't know if that's been enforced. I uh, see. I don't, I don't so feel you, like.
2: All right. I, I, I've, I've always been the one who's, who said, I don't think that the pitch clock is the way to go. I think what umpires need to do is enforce the rules that are already there with regard to the batters. They allow okay. the batters to step out, that's where the delays happen. The umpires have got to say no. Once you step into that box, you're you you're in, okay. And if he and if you step out of the box, I can the pitcher can still deliver the ball. If I tell the pitcher deliver the ball, he can deliver the ball. It doesn't matter if you're in the box or not. Now, uh, I don't know if the rules with in college or certain or in certain conferences differ on that, but I maybe know, that's part of the, the problem. Maybe that's I, part know, of the problem right but I do know that in the major league, uh, that in the uh, in the major league baseball rule book, it's essentially at the umpire's discretion, and if he thinks that the hitter is stalling, then he can he can tell the pitcher go ahead and deliver the ball. All right, so I th- that's how I think they should they should enforce it. I don't think a, I don't think a pitch clock. See, the other thing is there's actually a rule about a pitch clock in the major league baseball rule book already. It says i believe it's tw- I believe it's twelve seconds when there's nobody on uh the uh pitcher has twelve seconds it's to 20. deliver is no, it no, no, 12? No. okay it's it's twelve seconds okay. uh to deliver the ball um when uh but obviously that's up to the umpire's uh discretion there's not a hard fast clock and no umpire is actually sitting there counting to counting you know thousand one thousand two the entire time but um but I think it's the I think it's the batters the batters well, are the ones, I, and and I would also be I, in favor true. of this one um you're only allowed one pitching change per inning all right if you if you Ooh. take if if you take you have you send your pitcher out there to start the inning you can only change your pitcher once in the inning once you once you've done that he's got to stay out there all right um and he's got to fi- and he's got to finish the game or he's got to finish the inning uh and the other one that I was thinking about that actually you were mentioning was, you know, what you, you were talking about, mound visits. Um, yeah. One mound visit per inning. That's yeah. it. It's basically your one time out. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's do that. I mean, others that
2: and the second time you come out, pitchers got to come out.
0: Right. Softball has that rule. You can only come to visit the pitcher once. The see, second time, you have to take them out.
2: See softball, see, softball gets it right because they do a bunch of yes. things that I think that baseball should do in the regular season. You know, I mean, for example, the international tiebreaker in extra innings. All right? Get the game over with.
0: Well, they do that in tournament games. They don't do that in conference play, for example. So I don't know if I go that far. What but I will but, say, though, but
2: regular season baseball, I think they should. Especially what, if we're talking about the majors. Yeah, 162 games.
3: Eh, no one wants I don't to know be- if I'm going to go don't, that
2: far. Don't, no, don't, don't be there until 1 o'clock in the freaking morning with these games. For crying out loud, get them over with.
0: I would play a couple extra innings, and then if it's still tied, maybe you do that. Maybe kind of like the hockey kind of thing where you play overtime and then go to a shootout. Something like that I might do in baseball. I don't know if I would go straight to an international role with the runner at second base. The one thing I will do, though, that they should do, that softball does, is softball has the run rule where it's eight runs after five innings. Why can't baseball do this? When baseball's up like 10 runs after seven innings or something like that. Yeah, that's the other
2: In the regular season, you do it. Now, you, now you could say – I've actually written about this. Now, what you're going to get from some people is, well, what about no-hitters in perfect games?
0: Well, it counts as a no hitter, like in softball. Softball, no hitter, five innings counts. So, guess what? If you pitch the whole seven innings, you get your no hitter. That's just the way it goes. Well, I mean, no, I, I'm okay see, with that. See
2: Now, now I'm I, I'm not. I I think that if you have a, I think that you make an exception if a if the starting pitcher has not allowed a hit. No, you, you allowed, can't make
0: exceptions based on a no hitter. Of course you can. No,
2: of first of all,
0: can. first of all, baseball no hitters. In college is very rare. Number one, number two, they usually are like staffs. They usually
2: take them out anyway. I, no, I, that's I, not I, true. Most no hitters are are, are uh, no, most no hitters are uh, complete games.
0: I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I don't think you just all oh, well. It's, tw- it's twenty to nothing. But hey, he's throwing a no hitter. You know, get out of here. Oh well, would, if you're it,
2: talking, if you're talking college, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No I'm major fine. league, no.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I I, I missed out. Yeah, no major league. I agree. I see what you're saying. Major league baseball. That's a whole. I'm not again. I'm, not, I'm not even saying we have to. They have to do the run rule of major league baseball. Uh, although if they want to do that, that's fine with me too. To be honest, um,
2: I think they should. But, but that's beside the point.
0: But I, I think those are some things that college. My thing here's the problem. Because I was there Tuesday night, and I like baseball, and I, you know, people have complained about Major League Baseball. Here's the problem: and people, some college baseball fans don't like to hear this, but it's an. I, I hate to break the news to you, it's an inferior product to Major League Baseball. So, in my opinion, a three and a half, a uh, three-hour, three and a half-hour college baseball game feels like a seven-hour Major League Baseball game to me. It just feels like it just goes way on, too on. Whereas Major League Baseball kind of goes, and I, I don't have as big of a problem with because the, the, there's the best players in the world and all that stuff. But I think there's some tweaks that we have discussed here that the sports should look at. Look at the, the – you know, what, you notice that college softball gets primetime viewerships. Notice they get the primetime slots on television. Notice that, that college baseball doesn't. College baseball, a lot of their games are, are on online. Why? Because softball games go quicker than baseball, and television doesn't want to have a three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour game break out. You know, in a normal block. And I think to me, the next and I, the next step for college baseball is you got to make some of these adjustments. You can't have games going three and a half, four hours on a Wednesday night when people have to go you know, home. It just yeah. doesn't. I mean, I sympathize with that. I mean, I saw a lot of kids at the game. I mean, you think there's no way they're going to stick. What do you think a kid's going to be inter- entertained for three hours and 40 minutes for a baseball game where we're waiting to see, wait, is he going to change the pitcher or what's he doing? Wait, he's thinking about changing the lineup. No, no, he's not. He's just discussing <laughs> something with the umpire. Oh, I guess he's going back now. Oh, boy. Oh, no, let's just throw up to the first base for three or four pitches so the pitcher in the bullpen's warming up. Get out of here.
2: <laughs> Nonsense. All right. I'm glad you got that off your chest. I, think I that, do feel like I can, that. I can tell that that's been, that's been kind of I
0: mean, I simmering
2: for guess. a while on the stovetop.
0: I mean, I'm pulling my hair. I'm looking at my <laughs> clock, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? It's eight thirty, and we're like in the fourth inning in this game. I got stuff to do here. People, come on. We're going to change oh. this sport, baby.
2: <laughs> send your uh, send your complaints to Eric Lopez. ELO. <laughs> I <on> figured
0: t- <laughs> you'd be more on my side because I know you've had this complaint no, I, about I, baseball. I, no,
2: to. I, I, listen, I, I, anything to speed up baseball. I think you know because it does actually affect the television product too. I'm in favor of it. I just don't think that the pitch clock is the way to go because I don't think that the pitchers oh, are the fair. ones who are slowing it down. It's the batters. That's what you have to focus on. And the, and they have to give the umpires a lot more leverage to say, hey, get back in the box. So that's that's my thought on that. Anyway, all right. Let, all right. Uh, before we uh, take a break, we're going to go, and ap- by the way, after the break, we're going to talk men's basketball in case you're wondering where that's going to happen. I want to talk about women's basketball. They uh, finished the season, uh, the, at least the the conference postseason 21 and 10 and uh you know the knights in the american athletic conference tournament got past temple 77-70 uh took care of business uh that they had to in the quarters ran into usf in the semis and usf um unfortunately knocks out ucf 74 to 59 uh in a game that was tight that was tight until the second half it was a three po- it was tied at the end of one Three point game in favor of the Bulls at the end of two, but then uh, in the second half, uh, let's give credit to um, let's give credit to Coach Fernandez and USF. They took care of business. Uh, they are twenty six, uh, or, or, or excuse me, they had um, who was it? They Kitty Alaksa uh, once again twenty points on a seven and nineteen shooting four thirteen from three point range. 17 more for Lara Ferreira, who played all 40 They had four players play all 40 minutes. They basically only had uh, a six-person rotation in this game. Elia um, uh, Flores also played 40 minutes. Mar- Maria Jesperson played 40 minutes. So, um, you know, it, and, and USF took care of business. They ended up losing by 16 to UConn in the championship game for the American. And I thought the... <laughs> The funniest part of this is did you see Colin Sherwin's tweet about this? Uh
0: no, I was stuck at baseball because it won't end. So that's why have you not listened to me this show. What did he say?
2: <laughs> he said I got let me pull it up. I, I, I got to you know, I got to give him credit because this is this is about as left-handed a compliment as it can possibly be. Uh gosh, so who? I, to 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 you to USF uh okay. basketball, he says if you don't think that's one of the best 16 women's basketball teams in America, you're either blind or intellectually dishonest. Losing by 16 on the road to UConn proves it. The Bulls should host, no question.
0: Well, he's he's obviously he's very biased.
2: Now, I, okay, that's the, yeah, every, yeah. The, the, everyone knows that, all right. Now, uh, but I just I was struck by the hilarity of saying they lost to a team by 16 points, and I get that it's UConn. They lost yeah. to a team by 16 points, and and that means you should host. Now, but let me ask you this. Is he right? He is right. That's a good performance. Look,
0: I've, I've seen him in person. You've seen him in person. Uh, we both have called their games. They're good. I mean, I've said this to people, Loxa and and Jesperson are to me, uh, Jeffrey, are two future WNBA players, rosters easily. And if they don't play in the WNBA, it's probably because they choose to go to Europe to get more money. So they they're going to be professional players. They're talented players. They're a good team, fun style to watch. I think Jose is a brilliant coach. Uh, you know, kind of under the Frank Martin tutelage, if you will. He could, you know, and I think they're very good. And I I'm not a you know they and I'll I'll defend them on this. They crushed Ohio State, who a lot of people like, who might be hosting number um, six
2: team in the country. By the way, Ohio State in the AP. I, yeah, I should, I should so, mention USF is 14th in the AP. Given that with UCF finishing as they did, having lost to USF three times and to UConn and to UConn twice is, is, and given basically, you know, what, what you heard from Charlie last week, is this now a, a surefire UCF to the NIT right now?
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, no wins against the top 25 or top 50, uh, is going to do them in. And again, it goes back to, again, the league, if the league was like it was last year, where SMU, for example, was, was a team that was an NIT team. Temple was an NCAA tournament team. UCF would have had those opportunities this year to get those quality wins. But they didn't get it in the conference. They needed to beat USF. They didn't do it. I don't think they get in. I think they're an NIT team. The lack of a top 50 win hurts them. Uh, they don't have a win that jumps out at you.
2: And, and they beaten you know, USF they, the, the other day? Do you think they could have gotten in?
0: I th- I personally think yes. And if they would have played – and it, you can joke about it you want – but if they would have played UConn to about a 15-point game, that would have looked good. And I think – Gino would have praised him like he praised USF in the postgame show, and I think that might have given him the benefit of the doubt. We'll never know. But they lost to USF, and they lost to them by double digits. They don't have that marquee win that's going to get them over the hump. And unfortunately for them, I think they will be a, a, a WNIT team. Now, considering the injuries that they've had on this team with losing two bigs you know, during the season, Aliyah Gregory, who, let's be honest, obviously is not 100%. Anybody that's watched, it, she's not 100 uh, percent that you know, all those injuries to have all those injuries and still have the season that they've had where they're going to probably host a WNIT game is is incredible because the, they, they were playing at times with seven people throughout the year. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, what ca- what kind of caught them is they didn't have enough firepower. And that was my concern when they played USF is if Jesperson and Loxa were going, if one of them goes, they're fine. they got multiple options they can go with. UCF was pretty much – by the end of the year, it was pretty much Zakia Saunders was carrying the offense. They didn't have that second consistent offensive player, and I think that's the next step for this program. And, and look, I mean Coach Abe even talked about it in the game. In, in their postgame. They're, she feels they're actually ahead of schedule of where they really thought they would be when she took over the program, but they just didn't have the offensive weapons. If Gregory was healthy, like she was last year and played to like last year's standards, I think we might be having a different conversation, but unfortunately injuries happen. And, um, you know, that's going to be the goal for them. Next is I think the development of Kaba, they're going to have to replace Takiyah Saunders, which is not going to be easy, but you saw KK Wright take some positive big steps yeah, and they're going to have to find some, dynamic perimeter players that could shoot the ball well, uh, for them to get over the hump, I think.
2: Well, we thought Zai Lewis would be hard to to replace. Sure. And lo and behold, you know, uh, Z Saunders actually pretty much did that. Um, you know, and so now, but now, you know, what do you do with that? So, uh, so here's the situation. We await the women's NIT. Uh, this is according to womensnit.com. NCAA tournament They're... selection show for the women wow. ends at 8 p.m. Monday, March the 12th. Uh, and they and this is according to the Women's NIT, they say that you can expect this is a direct quote, you can expect the WNIT to announce its 64 team field by 9 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. The full bracket with matchups and first round dates will will be released between 11 p.m and midnight Eastern. All announcements will be made via the website women'snit.com.
0: And by the way, uh, I just checked Charlie Cream, who we had on last week and his latest Bracketology, has UCF as one of the next four out. They're not even one of the first four out. They're now one of the next four out. So they actually have dropped uh, since last week when we've had them on. He's got like the last four in are Minnesota, Rutgers, Creighton, Nebraska. First four out, USC, West Virginia, Purdue, and Oklahoma. Uh, the teams that are with UCF on the next four out include Virginia Tech, who beat UCF earlier this year, Indiana, and Michigan State. So tough. I, I, it's going to be hard for them. It, 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 those are some power conferences teams that we're talking about there that UCF's going head to head with without that marquee resume win. I, I, I would be pleasantly happy but surprised. If they get into the field of 64, I think they're a lot to host a WNIT game. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's against a team like Jacksonville, for example, uh, if they don't, you know, or, Flo- or Florida Gulf Coast, whichever one of those two teams doesn't win the uh, A-Sun tournament probably earns a trip to Orlando to play UCF a week this next week
2: in the NIT. All right. So uh, for the latest on that, stick with uh, UCF dot com and also us at Black and dot com. All right. We're going to flip it over to the men's side after the break, and we're going to talk with Mike O'Donnell, a longtime friend of ours. You guys all know him and love him, former point guard at UCF. Uh, He uh, is now working for CBS Sports as an analyst and uh, keeps track of things for the American uh, on the American Digital Network as well. So stick around. We'll talk about the American Athletic Conference Basketball Men's Tournament with Mike O'Donnell after this break. You're listening to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, If you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give him a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at we sell Again, that's we sellorlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at facebook.com slash sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality.
1: and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
2: Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you, black Facebook.com slash black and gold banneret and UCF underscore banneret. On Twitter, you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. And follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow Brian Murphy at Spokes underscore Murphy. Two of those three people who I just mentioned are going to be at the American Athletic Conference basketball tournament. That will be uh, beginning on Thursday, March the eighth. If you're listening to this at the Amway Center in Orlando, I'm already here, Jeffrey. Yeah, De- <laughs> are what you? are you camping lunch, out?
0: Are you camping outside That's right. downtown? I feel like I will be this week, man. I'm going to be so, like with UCF getting the late shift. You know, I was hoping to be honest, I was hoping UCF get the seven o'clock tip because then I was going to go to the first three games and then maybe, you know, and then uh, bail out. out. Yeah, uh, not so much, but that's OK. Well, it's OK. I here, love I love this time of year.
2: Here's the here's the story. So as you guys know, it's taking place at the Amway Center, March 8th through the 11th uh, top four teams get a bye to the quarterfinals, which will be Friday. But we're talking about Thursday. Four games on Thursday, noon to seven and nine. UCF plays in the nine p.m. approximately nine p.m. Eastern tip. Again, they're the the Knights of the sixth seed. They play the eleven seed East Carolina. Winner of that game plays Houston, the number three seed at nine p.m. on Friday. So obviously, UCF men's basketball has a lot of work to do this weekend if they want to even sniff. An NCAA tournament bid. Basically, it's a situation where they have to win the whole thing and in order to get in. Not very likely for an at-large bid, but we weren't 100% sure want we to get the lay of the land of the conference. So, without further ado, we know exactly who to call about that. And it's our old buddy, Mike O'Donnell. Used to play for UCF, of course. You guys all know him and love him. Uh, has had a very successful post-playing broadcasting career. Was uh, Mark Daniels as analyst uh with UCF Radio Network for a while uh and now works for CBS. He's got the jacket with the logo and uh hey, so we decided to call him up and uh, and talk it over uh, and talk over the American tournament with Mike. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Mike O'Donnell. All right, here he is, Knight fans, number 4 in your media guides, number 1 in your hearts. He is uh, of course a former point guard at UCF and now a college basketball analyst for CBS Sports, and he's got the blazer with the I logo to prove it, Mike O'Donnell joining me here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. What's up, Mike?
4: Oh, man, how about that intro? And just so you know, Jeff, <laughs> I slept in that CBS jacket the first week that I got it.
2: I would be I still sleeping in it up. now if I was you.
4: <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Listen, it, I am so grateful for that opportunity. I had a blast, but it was... It was really cool wearing that jacket, man, not going to lie to you. I had a block.
2: That's awesome, man. I mean, I'm so happy. I mean, you've busted your tail to get to that point. It's because you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about, and no one deserves it more than you, man. So on behalf of all of us here at Night Nation... We're so proud of you. We love seeing you on TV, and you are headed right uh-huh. now down to the uh, to, to the American to, to the American Athletic uh, Conference basketball tournament, where you also do some work with the uh, with the conference as well, and you've been doing that for a while. So UCF comes in as the number six seed. They play in mm-hmm. the late game, the nightcap on Thursday night against ECU. Uh, they held East Carolina to 39 points the first time around, but. That was with Taco Fall. It's a different ball game now, though. And even though ECU has had their struggles, they haven't won a game since Valentine's Day. It's a one-and-done situation. And, I mean, as you know, just as well from your time as a player, um, you know, anything can happen. So what's your outlook for at least UCF's sure. first, first shot tonight against the Pirates?
4: Well, uh, you know, if we're just taking just the game alone uh, and you look at ECU, they um – you know they are at the bottom of the conference, but they have tremendous guards. And uh, between uh, freshman of the year Sean Williams and DJ Tyson and Isaac Fleming um, and Kentrell Barkley, those are four guards who can give you twenty any night. So anytime you have great guard play, it's always dangerous. And I think it's a um, it's it's not going to come down to the. Defensive end for UCF because that's your DNA, that's your identity right now. That you are going to grind out games, and you are going to try to force teams to beat you within the last couple minutes and play within the 60s. And that's just with Taco Fall being out, you know, Chance McSpadden being out, and just uh, such a devastating plethora of injuries this year, where you had so such high expectations. Um, I thought Johnny Dawkins has done a really good job, but I think tonight the magic number is 66. I think you keep it really simple tonight. Um, right now, UCF is 11 and one when they score at least 66 points. Um, that that one last came to Wichita State, in which that was uh, just not but a few days ago, which was an incredible basketball game, even though know, the Knights didn't win. And so that that's the magic number is is they feel that if they can get around 65, 66 points. Uh, they're going to win that game. So that's a good that's a good number for night fans to take a look at and say, you know, how do we think we're going to do down the stretch? you look up and there's five minutes to go, and UCF has around 57, 58 points. You're in good shape. You know, um, that 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 means that UCF is executing their game plan because uh, they're just they're not going to score 80. They just won't, and and that's okay. Uh, they they can win games grinding them out and, and ugly. I'm not calling UCF ugly, but. <laughs> But when you play in the 60s, it forces the other team to play ugly. And so they'll have to um, – that's a number to look for tonight. I think if you stop those four guards for the Pirates, I think you're in good shape. Uh, ECU does not have great front court play. Uh, their big guys are an, an, a non-factor uh, in the post. So getting A.J. Davis, B.J. Taylor, um, those guys are getting to the rim. They need to get to the rim, get to the free throw line, and um, and try and get easy buckets. And You, you go for the – Mid 60s game, uh, you got a good chance of uh, taking care of this thing, and then after that, they play Houston, and quite honestly, it's a it, it's a, it's a good draw. You know, I would rather, if I was UCF, I would rather play Houston than um, uh, Wichita State or Cincinnati. Right. You know, I mean, just by uh, I mean just by kind of obvious nature, and uh, and UCF played Houston tough at home, and I think you know you, you've got a game plan to where defensively, you keep that game in the high 50s maybe try and grind that out as well. So, you know, getting to the semis is not something that's out of question. Uh, they're going to have to win the tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that's obvious. But uh, uh, postseason play is more than realistic. Uh, right now they're projected as a sixth seed in the NIT. And given all the injuries, uh, the season-ending injuries, uh, 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 BJ's uh, uh, early season injury where he missed 15 games, and then missed a, you know missed another game in the middle of a conference play. I think it's a tremendous accomplishment. I think getting back to the NIT is a, is a realistic expectation. I think it should be celebrated, and it wouldn't be surprised if they won a couple games in the NIT this year.
2: You know, when we look at the conference in general, Mike, right now uh, the the American as a league is seventh in RPI. And mm-hmm. when we take a look at you know, when you take a look at the field, obviously, you know, what what more can be said about Cincinnati than the number two uh, scoring defense uh, in the country? UCF, incidentally, is number three. Uh, but Cincinnati is number one also in um, in uh, in margin of victory, which gives you an idea that not only are they obviously great defensively, um, but strong offensively as well all around. Uh, Wichita State, you know, we got got a good look at them last week. You know, when UCF basically threw the kitchen sink at them in that overtime game. Um, mm-hmm. But again, but they were they were projected by some to be to quite possibly win the tournament. They have just as good a chance to win the tournament as anybody. Houston, obviously, lingering. They're still kind of, I think, an unknown quantity to a certain extent, but. What is what is the national outlook right now for the American in terms of the NCAA tournament? Is this is this going to be another one bid league, another one bid year, or could we get as many as two or three in there this season?
4: No, I think you're. I think the Americans guaranteed to get three teams in. I think Houston's okay. a lock. Um, I think you'll see Houston fall between anywhere of a seven and nine seed. Um, I, I Houston's a lock. Cincinnati and Wichita State are obviously locked. Um, uh, they don't have to win the American tournament. Um, you know, you'll see Cincinnati right now. Actually, Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi have Cincinnati at the uh, at the two or the three seat. So they're going to get a, they're going to an awesome seed. Wichita State, you'll see between that really that four to six range from a seeding standpoint. So you got three teams legitimately in. I, I am um, a, f- a firm believer in Houston. I think you know, not only are they our locked but they can win their first game. Um, I think it's a very legitimate team. Outside the national outlook, you know, to get four teams in, you know, it's going to have to come down to, you know, uh, UCF going on a run, SMU going on a run. You know, t- nobody talks about Tulsa, but they actually were great in conference play this year. They finished fourth. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so who knows, you know, come conference play time. We saw it happen in Orlando a couple of years ago with UConn. Uh, you know, UConn wasn't even a top in the top four, and they ended up winning the tournament um, and going to the NCAA tournament, getting that automatic bid. So there's uh, there's always that opportunity for teams to get in because I think three a lock. Um, outside of that, though, you know, going into next year, it was strange this year. I actually thought that you, that you that the American Conference had the potential to get five teams in. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt, you know, obviously Cincinnati and uh, Wichita State were, uh, you know, were two of the top teams coming into this year. Everybody projected UCF as a potential at-large bid, uh, due to the fact that you, you know, with a healthy Taco Fall, a healthy BJ Taylor, a healthy Chance McSpadden, and everybody's talk forgets to talk about Aubrey Dawkins, right? Who was coming into this year a projected late round first, uh, a late first round pick in the NBA draft after this year. He's that good. So you lose one of the best starting point guards in the American Conference. You lose the best center in the American Conference. And you lose a first-round draft pick. That's a devastating blow to your season. And then you throw in SMU, who was projected as an at-large team not but four weeks ago uh, uh, until the injury to Shake Milton. Uh, 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 SMU had a top... 40 RPI and a really good strength of schedule with strong wins over Arizona and USC in the non-conference and they had, some, they had um, almost double-digit Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2 wins. They had that win at Wichita State. I mean, Jeff, you know how hard it is to win at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. They went in there, Shake Milton dropped 30 and completely dismantled the Shockers. Uh, so I, I, I thought that you have four teams in with a potential of, of, of five with, with, with Houston. I, I thought that Houston was a potential bubble team and there's no uh, coming into this year and they clearly played their way beyond the bubble. They're they're an at-large team so going into next year I mean, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw four or five teams in the American Conference Tournament and we're not even talking about UConn. When you think of UConn right. basketball, you think of a perennial national power and they need to turn that around because it, it, it could you imagine when Cincinnati's still the top of their game with Wichita State, with SMU, with Houston, with UCF and uh UConn, that becomes a potential top four, top five RPI league. Yeah. And if you, UConn can turn that around, I mean this American conference is gonna become insane.
2: Kind of hard to believe that we think of UConn now as the, and they're an afterthought right now. So it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. I you know, most people aren't talking about that, but that is I mean, that's a team that you expect to be in the top 25 every year. And when they do get back there, you've got four legitimate teams every year that's going to the the big dance.
2: So last question for you, and then we'll let you go. Um, Are are we expecting, right now, in your opinion, is this a Cincinnati-Wichita State collision course, or are you expecting something crazy to happen, and if so, what?
4: Yeah, I think most people are expecting a Cincinnati-Wichita State uh, 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 matchup. I don't think anybody would be upset about that in the finals. Right. Um, I think I think that would be a blast to have round three. The first two games were absolute like old school Rocky movie slugfest, man. It was awesome to watch. Um, but I just can't it, in conference play when you have combined a great defensive team and you have a legitimate twenty point scoring threat. Uh, you can't discount Houston. Uh, you really can't. Uh, Houston is one of the top ten. Uh, field goal percentage team, defensive field goal percentage teams in the country, and you combine that with a player who could score 25 to 30 points in any night, Rob Gray Jr., in conference play, a guy like that gets hot, you can rattle off, you can beat anybody. Yeah. And so I cannot discount Houston at all. But I think I'll be a little shocked to not see the Shockers and the Bearcats in the championship. But I'm not going to be. I'm not going to sit there and be like, I can't believe this if Houston gets to the championship. Because, they, listen, if they win two games in the Big Dance, everybody's going to be like, Wow, I can't believe this Houston team. I'm not going to be surprised at all. They rebound well. They're a great defensive team. And they have a legitimate twenty-point scoring threat. That's a great recipe coming going into the big dance.
2: Well, it all starts uh, actually at noon on Thursday. SMU, UConn is the first game. UCF again playing at nine p.m. on Thursday against eleven-seeded East Carolina. You can catch uh, all the games uh, all the all the games on the first day on ESPNU, and then it goes between ESPNU and ESPN two on Friday for the quarterfinals. UCF, ECU winner playing number three houston and from there we'll just figure it out from there all right mike if uh, folks want to get in touch with you where can they hear from
4: you uh you can hop on twitter mod the number four then the word three and i'll be uh, i'll be tweeting uh all kind of great information regarding uh keys to the game and key players and updates and insider information throughout the uh the american conference tournament
2: cool and we're going to see you on the american.org i'm guessing
4: I'll be there, yep, and we'll do some uh, Facebook Live stuff. We'll do uh, uh, um, some live Twitter video. Um, So if you also follow the American Digital Network, uh, you will see my ugly mug up there talking about hoops. Uh, It'll be a lot of fun.
2: Give yourself more credit than that. Mike O'Donnell (laughs) from uh, CBS Sports, the American Athletic Conference, and, of course, uh, UCF Basketball. Mike, thanks for the time, and uh, safe travels. We'll see you at the Amway Center.
4: Uh, you're the best, Jeff.
2: Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bud. Alright, our thanks to Mike O'Donnell for his insight on the American Athletic Conference Basketball Tournament. So, Eric Lopez, you're going to be there for all four games tomorrow. Likely all, Basically, every if it's an American Athletic Conference basketball game, you're going to be there. Brian's going to be there. Um, the first order of business is against East Carolina. Now, 9 p.m. tip. It's going to be late. Kind of a bummer UCF's not playing in the primetime tip at 7. But anyway, this ga- these games will all be televised on ESPNU on Thursday, by the way. Um, but UCF comes in as a 6 seed. They held East Carolina to 39 points in the, uh, first, in the first and so far only meeting between these two. Uh, but that was when Taco Fall was healthy. East Carolina comes in losers of five in a row. Uh, They haven't actually won a game since Valentine's Day. So, what's the situation right now for UCF heading into this game?
0: Well, it's a must win. If they well, want to lock course. up an NIT <laughs> It's a must win. Well, no, well, it's a must win. Yes, yeah, so that's the obvious cliche. But I, I, it's a must win for a lot of reasons. It's a must win, obviously, because you want to build momentum for the postseason. But I think it's a must win if they want to be a, at least an NIT team. I think if they were to get upset in this game, I don't think they're an NIT team. So uh, I think they need to win this game just to be an NIT team because uh, there have been some upsets in the conference tournaments. And for those that may not be aware, the teams that lose the regular season, uh, that win the regular season conference title in these one bid leagues like the A Sun, like Florida Gulf Coast, for example, right. that lost in the conference tournament championship game are guaranteed of a spot in the NIT. And there's been a pretty much more upsets this year than there was a year ago. So, which means there's not as many spots available in the NIT that there was, say, last year. So, they're, 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 they don't assume that this team is an NIT team. I think they got to win. They have to win this game and maybe even win another game so you can feel really good about your NIT uh, being in the NIT. But you look know, their defense is going to be very good. Uh and, and it's one of the you know East Carolina doesn't have a lot of offense. I, I expect it to be a similar game. That was a, the game you mentioned was New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. uh, the day before the Peach Bowl. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe nobody watched this game. <laughs> but, 59-39 um, was the final score. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be a similar game. I, I think it's going to be a similar game because one, one thing to look for, team – and I've talked to people that played in all the in various conference tournaments. You're playing in venues that you haven't played all year. And players have to adjust to the rims. They have to – the sights and things like that, and I think teams, you're going to see, especially in the first day or two, teams struggle to shoot the ball from the field, and I think this game has got like an ugly 59-65-50 type game written all over it, where both teams are shooting very low percentages, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it might score in the 50s, might win this game, but I think UCF has enough for that, the question is, how many days do they have a, a run in them? Because they're going to have to go four and four to win this title. I don't know if they can do that. I do think, though, that they got a pretty good draw in that I think they could play with Houston. We were both there when they played Houston at home, and that was, you know, one two possession game late. Gray made some plays. B, you know, BJ Taylor was still coming back, was on minutes restriction. I actually think they could match up with Houston, which. Uh, if you remember two years ago when the, the conference tournament was here, they were upset in early in the conference tournament. So I actually think UCF's got a chance to win a couple of games here and get themselves uh, to the semifinal. And if they can do that, they would be on CBS, which would be great uh, attention for the for the program. And then they would get Wichita State. Who They played that classic game that went to overtime at the CFE Arena, which was a great ball game. Wichita State's not a great defensive team. So I I think they actually got a pretty good draw.
2: Yeah, at least in terms of if you're going to help yourself, certainly they did. Um, That Houston game is not necessarily a giveaway, though. I mean, Houston's pretty good. Well,
0: well, well, who do you rather play? Do you rather play Houston, Wichita State, or Cincinnati in the quarterfinals?
2: Well, I know I know I don't want to play Cincinnati, but given how UCF played Wichita State at home in the regular season finale, I wouldn't mind getting another shot at him. You know, they, they took him to overtime. This is after UCF lost by nineteen on the road to him. Took him to overtime, lost by four in a game where, you know, obviously four points, two possessions the other way, that easily could have gone UCF's favor. And then we're and then we're talking about wow, they have they got that um that signature win. UCF right now. Is at eighteen and twelve. They finished the regular season in the conference nine and nine. Uh, this is the thing that sort of that, that I find really intriguing. UCF right now is third in the nation in scoring defense, averaging giving up sixty one point three points per game. Care to guess what their ranking is in scoring offense? Go ahead. Three hundred and forty fifth. points per game. And that has been the problem the entire time. I mean, thank goodness for the defense, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, and and by the way, I should mention, you talked about Cincinnati. Cincinnati's second in the country in scoring defense, giving up 57.3. Number one, the number one team in the nation, Virginia. And they're giving up just 52.8 a game. That's insane. Cincinnati, interestingly enough, Highest scoring margin, average scoring margin in the country. They're winning games by eighteen point three points per game. So, um, when I look at what UCF has in front of them, you know I, it, the the you know obviously East Carolina is going to be playing for their lives. Um, I don't care that it's a six eleven. You know how tournament games are uh, when teams you know sense that sort of desperation. Doesn't matter where they are in the rankings. They're gonna, you know, they may indeed come out to play. Uh, Houston's gonna be tough, especially with that late night tip. Um, but my hope is that if they do get to the semifinals, I think you're right. Definite nit bid. Uh, but then, what happens if UCF actually gets out of the semifinals and gets to the final? Then what?
0: No, you still gotta, you, you still gotta win the tournament. I think you uh, still think so. Th- Oh yeah, because I mean, Cause, look at the bubble. The way the, the way the bubble is playing out right now is wild. Oh, the, I mean, you yeah, really the have...
2: bubble is insane right now. You mentioned Florida Gulf Coast. That was just one example. But you know, like I said, if UCF wins their first ga- two games, that gets them to the twenty wins. That gets them to twenty and twelve.
0: No, for nit, yeah, 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 nit. But I mean, as far as the NCAA, they're gonna have to win the conference tournament. They're not. I don't see them getting in if they got to the final. There's too many teams yeah. in the bubble that have like resumes that are probably gonna be better than them. That would be one
2: hell of a run, by the way, if they did, because you're likely talking about a situation where they beat East Carolina and then the top three seeds in the conference between Houston, Wichita, most likely, and then Cincinnati, most likely in the final.
0: Right. And you got to see how that plays itself out. We'll see. We'll see if they have enough in the tank. I mean, obviously, when you when you struggle and all, you know, you got to avoid scoring droughts, which this team has had trouble with and. It's tough. It's very tough. And I, I, I disagree with you. And I'd rather play Houston and Wichita State. I, H- Wichita State po- is tournament proven. Uh, they're tournament tested. I, I'm not sure yet about Houston. We'll see how Houston handles this. Is Houston going to sleepwalk through this game? We don't know. You know, they, like, like I mentioned, a couple of years ago, they've been up. They were upset early in the conference tournament. Um, so I, I actually think Houston could be had. And I wouldn't, you know, especially playing the last game on a Friday night. They're not their fans are going to come to Orlando. Uh, if, so if UCF were to, to get that moment, I'd like to think that a lot more UCF fans might go out for the Friday night game and make it a really good environment. And I think could sneak the upset in there. Um, it's going to be a tough gauntlet, though. No question.
2: All right. Well, we're going to find out first thing on what or not first thing on. Well, we got to get through the Thursday. first. Right. We got to get through the first three <laughs> games uh, and then 9 p.m. Thursday. <clears throat> Is that uh, first uh, game for UCF against ECU? Again, it will be televised on ESPN U, so you can check it out there. And uh, Brian, Brian, and Eric will be there, and you guys, will, I'm sure, be live tweeting it, tw- live tweeting that thing out. So
0: I do uh, some video as well uh, from the arena at some point. You know. all right, we good. might do some of that as well.
2: That, get a little warm ups. Keep an eye on our Facebook page because you've been doing pretty good with those Facebook lives, man. I appreciate that. Keep it up. All right. Let's uh, flip over to softball. UCF uh, right now at thirteen and eight. They had that trip out to uh, California for the San Diego Classic, uh, and they split the four games uh, that they played out there, um, and then came uh, and then came back home and defeated Virginia Tech and Ball State. So the Knights are winners of three in a row. Um, but let's first talk about that San Diego Classic, Eric. They lost to San Diego State three to one, and number three UCLA nine to one, but got a victory over number twenty two Long Beach State and a victory over Santa Clara. So, um, as far as I can see, Eric Lopez, that's a huge, huge uh, win for. Well, I say one win. That's two huge wins for UCF softball right there, taking care of business all the way out west. Uh, your evaluation of their performance that weekend.
0: It was very good, very good. Uh, they got the big win they needed to get, which uh, they got Long Beach State. You would have liked to get UCLA, but UCLA is a,
2: is in a different league UCLA right now. There's is about, UCLA is <laughs> UCLA. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right now are. in
0: softball, I, I think there's about four, five, six teams in softball right now. that have kind of separated themselves from the pack this year, and then there's not, and then there's not a big separation. But Long Beach State's very good. They've beaten Auburn. They've beaten Minnesota. This is a team that. Could probably win their league. It could be either an at-large even if they don't win their league. That's how good they are. And Aaliyah White with the shutout was huge. She was fantastic, earning pitcher of the week. Um, and Kaitlin Jensen, my goodness, this kid is amazing. A freshman out of Vieira High School with two home runs in that Long Beach State win. The ninth UCF player in the history of the program to hit two home runs in one game. And then she hits another home run in the victory against Santa Clara. Uh, two and two is what I f- thought they needed to get. And they could have gone three and one very easily. They left a lot of runners on base in the loss against San Diego State. But I thought there was a lot of positive, and I can tell you watching them and calling their games on Tuesday against Virginia Tech. And Ball State, they look like a different team with a different mindset. You could sense they're a lot more confident than themselves. When you're young, you're not sure about certain things. I thought the San Diego trip, they to me gave them a lot of confidence, and I could tell that even when they had some tough moments in the games against Virginia Tech and a very good Ball State team, they didn't flinch, and that was a very positive sign. Aliyah threw two uh, a shutout again against Virginia Tech, beating them one to nothing, and then came in relief to get the win against a, a ball state team that'll win the i think it win the mac conference and jensen with another home run there so i i like the upside the, the the young players are stepping up at a high level and i had a chance after their doubleheader win to talk to head coach renee loris gillespie and rather than me tell you let's have her tell her have her tell us how she felt about this team that she feels is starting to learn how to play with each other and coming together <laughs> Coach, congrats, two quality wins against two quality teams today, beating Virginia Tech and Ball State. Talk about the day.
3: Just a great day for us, you know, being able to come back home from California, being on our own field today, um, facing Virginia Tech in that first game. We knew it was going to be a tough competition. Um, They came out, um, had a loss against Ball State earlier that day. So we felt like we had a chance of really kind of jumping on them early. Um, they they did just that Um, it was such a close ball game it was fun to watch because you know going back and forth entire game and um, just being able to get the key hits that we need to Uh, production was fantastic in that game the girls were um, moving runners when they needed to finding ways to to advance them and um, that game was definitely a a full team effort.
0: Aliyah is really in a good groove here obviously coming off the pitcher of the week pitching well in San Diego and gets a shutout. Her fourth of the season, which is more than she had all of last season, talk about the rhythm that she was in and coming in relief then and cl- winning the second game.
3: Yeah, we, we knew with Aaliyah, she, she's so strong right now, and she's doing such a great job on the mound that we knew we needed her against Virginia Tech. Um, Threw a great game against Virginia Tech. It was definitely a pitcher's duel in that game, and being able to come in the second game against Ball State and being able to close that game for us it was huge. But, you know, we, we get real excited when she gets out there because we know that she's going to take care of business.
0: Another player to get excited about, Caitlin, hits her fifth home run of the season, fourth in the last five games. Only Stephanie Best, Janae Shinhoster, and Ferris Sullivan have hit more home runs as a freshman already. That's crazy. But just yeah. talk about that two-run homer, really, it brings that spark. There seems to be that excitement when she's at the plate.
3: It really is. I mean, you look at California, she has three, three home runs in California, it gets great competition out there. And, and she, doesn't, she doesn't even sweat when she gets up there. I mean, she's so excited about getting up there. It doesn't matter who's pitching against her. She's just relaxed and calm, knows what she needs to do. And for her to be able to come in, Courtney getting on in that situation, to be able to have a runner in that situation with her at the plate and just come up with a big hit for us to put us ahead 2-1. to Um, you You don't expect that out of your freshman, but she's really stepping up this year.
0: And Aubrey had that double to lead off the Virginia Tech game in the fifth. And then you guys manufactured the run by getting productive outs. You've talked about productive outs, and you get that run, and that was the difference in the Virginia Tech Yeah,
3: you look at that, that the whole scenario. I mean, they're putting bowls behind runners and advancing them in those situations. You know, we still need to work a lot on our bunting um, offense um, situation, but they were working on hitting behind the runners in that situation. That was, that was huge, getting those productive outs. But And then Brewer coming up and getting something to the right side to be able to score in that situation was, was fantastic. You know, it's just doing the little things right, and, and we've really been working working on getting them together and understanding that. Um, I think before everything was very much individualized, want to have to a good at bat, want to get in the lineup, that type of thing. Now you're seeing the players playing for each other. They're playing as a team, and they're really um, focused on what their offense can do as a team, and that's what you're seeing today.
0: You've won now four out of five. You mentioned how this team's coming together, learning each other, getting confident. Now you head out to Clearwater for the tournament up there. What's right. going to be kind of what to look for there?
3: Yeah, you know, the Clearwater competition is going to be tough. It's, it's um, You know, i got five games this weekend there and, and really focusing on what we can do um, as far as our pitching staff being able to get a good rotation going there. Um, and we're seeing good competition in every position right now. You know, at first base, you got Aubrey and, and Brooke that's going to be challenging back and forth. You know, whoever's hitting that base is going to kind of be seeing that first base lot. Um, Courtney's really solidified that third base position. She's doing such a wonderful job on, on defense there at third base. Um you still have Aaron and, and Caitlin at, at shortstop, you know, and and both of them play a great shortstop. Of course, Caitlin probably has a little heads up on, on those kind of home runs that she's hitting. Um, but she can always DP and and um, have a good defense with with Aaron in that situation. And then Aubrey just kinda locking down second base. So you know, you're seeing that we're kind of solidifying our defense right now, and, and that makes it fun because now we know what we've got and what we're going into this weekend.
0: There's Coach Gillespie with me after the game. And you heard the the voice right there, Jeff. Very feels really good about this team, where it's at right now. They're obviously going to go to Clearwater. You know, I think this is this stretch coming up here between now and conference. They open conference March 23rd against Tulsa, the defending American conference champions. They've got a stretch here of nine games. And I think this is a stretch here where they need this is an opportunity to fine tune themselves and build momentum going into conference. If they can go something like seven and two, eight and one. And going into conference, now you're thinking, man, this is a team now that could compete for the conference championship and and plays with a lot of swaggering confidence that they're going to need when they start conference because they're going to start with a tough – Uh, start into the conference going against Tulsa who's the defending champions and then the weekend after that they got to go to Houston which I think is the second best team in the league and is a legitimate threat to win the conference title so this is a very important stretch to build on this momentum that they kind of feel from San Diego to Tuesday build this to Clearwater and moving forward here in the next couple of weeks
2: so this tournament out in Clearwater is the USF Under Armour Invitational and here is – UCF's playing five games out there. Friday, they're playing Chattanooga and St. Joe's. Saturday, they got Western Michigan and Southern Illinois. Sunday, they've got Quinnipiac. Now, doesn't exactly sound like a murderer's row out there, but tell me why I'm wrong.
0: Well, uh, it, it's not murderer's row, but – these are some of those teams are teams that are going to win their conferences and they circle these games. These are the games that they circle. And I think the question is going to be, you know what you're going to get from Aliyah in the pitching circle? Cameron Tony. this is a big stretch for her and get her confidence. You yeah, know, this she is going to be my next Houston.
2: question for you. Who's, who's that, 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 who are we going to see as that number two pitcher?
0: And I think that's what we're, this what this is the next couple of weeks are about, is win these games, and I want to see her go deep in the game. She was fantastic in Jacksonville against Western Carolina. She actually pitched well against San Diego State. Didn't really get a lot of defensive help in the loss against UCLA. It is what it is. But I think this is where she needs she, – she just came back. So she needs to build her strength up and get – their build her momentum and her confidence and, and, and for the next couple of weeks because those – those could be the, the. If not, then UCF could get tripped up a little bit. And, and then when when you have a young team, this is almost more challenging than when you're playing a marquee opponent. It's easy to get up for the marquee names, but for a young team, how do are they mature enough to handle the quote team that's not a no? You know, not a big name. I. That's why I wouldn't say. Obviously, it's not murderers row, but these are teams you can't just you know not show up against. And this is what this young team. I want to see this team show up, focused, ready to go. Not just say, oh, we're just going to show up and play. Because if they just come with that attitude, they will lose some games, some of these games, right. no question.
2: So we'll be keeping an eye on that going forward. And uh you know, just a quick, quick little note too on some statistical notes: Aaliyah White at ten and five, with her uh, record two point two four earner run average, and has thrown ninety six and two thirds of UCF's hundred thirty eight total innings this year. Uh, but over on the hitting side, you know, you talked about it, Caitlin Jensen. Uh, hitting three sixty to start the year. And let's uh also pour one out for uh Denali Schapacher as well, who has also uh is also hitting three sixty. Uh they're both eighteen for fifty at the plate to start uh to start the season. Not a bad start for those two newcomers.
0: No, the freshman combos, uh, Denali Schapacher, which is by the way how you pronounce it. I've talked to her parents. Her her first name by the way, Jeff Denali was named after a Denali Mountains that's in Alaska. You can Google that, and uh, that's how she got her name. That's I thought it was the SUV. No, no, no. <laughs> mountain. Going with the mountain in Alaska. Uh, but she's a speedrunner. But Jensen, Jensen, five home runs already this season, Jeff. To put that in perspective, the record for most home runs by a freshman in UCF softball is 12 by Janae Shinhoster in 2002. Stephanie Best, who you would have thought would be your first guess, obviously, right, had eleven that year. Believe it or not, Shinhoster actually edged her out that year. <laughs> um, and then Ferris Sullivan, in her freshman year in 2012, hit six. That's it. Those are the only three years that a UCF softball player has hit more home runs in her freshman year than Caitlin Jensen. Jensen's already up to five already. Um, that's remarkable. Shin Hoster and Best, by the way, 2002. This is, I'm going to say this, and I, I teased this a few weeks ago. Caitlin Jensen is the best power hitter I've seen come to the program as a freshman, probably since Shin Hoster and Best.
2: That's some high praise.
0: That she's that good. I, I hope, I can't wait for you to watch her. You have to come out and watch her. She's already got a bit of a, some fans already that get excited. When she comes to the plate, there's that excitement, there's that. There's that little ooh excitement that honestly hasn't seen. I haven't seen that. I mean, you know, we had Jessica Yavari. she was a transfer from upstate. Uh, she was a very good power hitter, but she was around the eight to eight to nine home run range. Mm-hmm. McCloudsky kind of developed later into a eight to nine home run type hitter, and, and they certainly had the physique where they were intimidating. But as far as people just like, oh, what can she do? Uh, this kid has got the complete package, can hit to all fields. She hit a home run to left and right against Long Beach State. To tell you how much she can hit to all fields. Um, And she's just a freshman. Let me just remind you of that. I haven't seen a freshman hitter this advanced already. Usually it takes them some time. Even like the greats like Natalie Lane, it takes them some time. Um, This kid's special. This kid is the future of this program um, and could be the face of the program for years to come, you know, it's always been pitchers, right? Since, since, and you covered Steph and, and Shinhoster, So I'll mm-hmm. defer to you more on that. But since then it's been Kime was the face of the program. And then Natalie land to some extent, but uh, then Shelby Turner and McKenzie Otis. So it's always been the pitcher, And is certainly is trying to get into that level, but this Jensen, Jensen could be that kid uh, power hitter that is, uh, could be electrified. It's, it's exciting to watch this kid, a uh, very humbled kid. And uh you wouldn't be- if you watched her if you came to the stadium you wouldn't believe she was a freshman.
2: Well that's some I, well listen I know that coming from you that's legit. So I'm hoping to get out there at some point where we can actually check things out but uh I do have some PA games scheduled a little bit later in the year but I'm hoping to get nice. out there before then. So uh so but I am excited based on you know all the things you told me about her even off the air you know about how you know how composed she is and just how strong of a hitter she is already at 18 years old from Vieira... I also love the fact that she's, that she's local, too. So Yeah, uh, and she was
0: a star player in Vieira. was shown on, on Spectrum Sports a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. this kid's legit. I mean, it's legit. I mean, one of the better players. And Shaw Pocker, different style player. She's a slap hitter. But my goodness, when she puts the ball in the infield, she makes the infield. She makes the diamond look even small because of how fast she is and how hard she runs. She does not cheat anything like she just she turned into a, a bloop single into a double very easily she just you, you just wonder like sometimes like wait did the infield did the diamonds shrink <laughs> while she's running because you would you couldn't believe how fast she is she's is tremendous in that regard he's moved up already to the leadoff spot where she's been good she has a great arm at right field she's got a great future she reminds me a lot of people we've made the comparisons to willow Callen and who you watched yeah from a defensive standpoint offense but i all and, and then maddie schroeder her kind of style of running hard but but she's also got some Kaylee Novak instincts with her as far as the base running is concerned. Really, it's going to be... Shawpocker and and, and Jensen are two stud players, a big part of this program for the next four years uh, to come among a a young group that's still learning and growing.
2: All right. Well, UCF softball right now, even though their record is 13-8, and don't let that fool you. When they get back from Clearwater, your next chance to see them uh, on the home diamond... Will be, uh, a, will be one week from when we're recording this, Wednesday, March the 14th, 10.30 a.m. against UT San Antonio, and then uh, later that day, 3.30 p.m. against uh, Georgia Southern. All right. All right, switching over to tennis, we'll talk a little men's tennis. They are in a bit of a schneid right now. They had the big college match day matchup against number 8 Michigan, uh, came up short, 4-1 uh, to one in that one uh and then uh lost to Baylor 4 to 3 and then earlier tonight they lost to uh Penn State uh as well uh 4 to 3 so you know, we had John Roddick on uh last uh, last week in in advance of college match day um and they're hitting right now just the just the spot in the schedule where that you know we thought would be problematic because they've got you know he did stack the schedule this year and these are good teams that UCF is playing. So um, right now they find themselves uh, at four and five, uh, but a chance to recover uh, against Virginia on Sunday, March the 11th. Again at the USDA National uh, Campus, they got uh, Virginia on Sunday, then Minnesota next Wednesday. So, um, but again, this is uh, man. I mean, that, that's that that is that is such a tough ask. <laughs> Michigan, Baylor, Penn sure. State, right in the row. Well,
0: especially with a young roster like he talked about. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's going to test him, and I, I think they'll be good. But how about Brian Koneko, who we've had on the show? They yes. beat Michigan on that Saturday, 4-2. to two, uh, And then they, they opened uh, you know the conference play, believe it or not, the next day and beat East Carolina. They're 8-2 yeah. on the season. Brian Koneko is, I mean, let's give John Roddick. I mean, that's what's so unique about him as the director of tennis. He hired Koneko. And I think the women's tennis team, putting themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament. And I don't know the last time women's tennis did that. It's been a long time. as I talked to Coach Roddick. so Brian Kaneko, who we've had on this program, a shout out to a big win against Michigan. That was part of the Tennis Channel coverage, and they wrapped up a big four-two win over Michigan, Jeff. That was to uh, keep that one in, in your back pocket here for down the road.
2: Well, I know that uh, that Coach Rodick uh, encourages us to pay absolutely no attention to the ITA rankings. Um, yes. <laughs> However,
0: at least uh, early on. At least early on.
2: However, uh, I will say I will mention that UCF women's tennis right now, twenty fifth in the country in the ITA rankings in women's tennis. So, you know, uh, you can at least you can hang your hat on that. They're eight and two. Uh, the schedule right now, as it looks um, now, they're playing in this now. A few of the players are playing in this ITF fifteen thousand dollar Orlando. Sort a sort of tournament. It's it's one of these tournaments where they put the money into a trust or something like that. You know, for when you graduate or something. I don't know. And then uh, earlier today, uh, they knock off East Tennessee State uh, six to one. So that's three in a row now for uh, UCF women's tennis. They've got a doubleheader Saturday, tough doubleheader. They got Penn State. They, so, they, so, but nonetheless, Big Ten team, and then they have a conference game against uh, against Memphis or a conference matchup. Rather against Memphis later that same day that's Saturday at 12 and then six so, uh, uh, so so that's the situation right now for women's tennis and hey 25th in the country you know I'll hang you know I'll hang your hat on that you know any day of the week and they've got again, another one of these ITF tournaments right after that so um, but you said it Eric you know not a bad job by Brian Canico and his team uh, of taking uh, of taking advantage of the opportunities that they've had you know knocking off Michigan on college match day. They had that one matchup with Texas A&M canceled late in February. But, you know, so far their only losses are at TCU and against Alabama, and they've been in pretty good shape so far. So um, so, let's give them some, so let's give them some credit right now and give them a shout-out because um, they deserve it at this point, and you really should get the chance to head on out there and see them if you get the chance to. So, all right. Elo, let's wrap this thing up. You are going to be at Amway this week, aren't you? Are you going to be there all four days? That's the plan. Look,
0: I don't know if we'll ever get another uh, conference tournament here in Orlando. They're going to be in Memphis next year and then Fort Worth for the foreseeable future after that. So you know, I'm going to take advantage have of a the,
2: rotation, though. You know, don't you think?
0: They're going to go where the money goes, man. That's the I mean, That's where all these like, like the ACC is in Brooklyn. The Big Ten was in New York. I mean, they're going for the money. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of rotating, although I can tell you they'll never rotate in the women's. I mean, they, they get they make money by having it over there at the Mohican at Connecticut. But hopefully I just hope I want to say, I hope that they, they, the, the, the the community supports this tournament. I don't think we did a good job of that a couple of years ago. So I would like to, hopefully the fans come out and watch college basketball so we can host this again in the near future to your point. So hopefully they draw out well, some interesting storylines, but I'll be out here uh, at the Amway center all week long and uh, so I'll be doing some Facebook stuff, some tweets, as you've mentioned, by the way, check out black and dot com. I wrote about it earlier this week. Wichita State, big impact on the American Conference TV ratings. And UCF's been a big benefit of that. UCF, big numbers in that Wichita State overtime game. I write about that, how well it did and how Wichita State's been a positive impact for the conference. I know, believe it I can't believe it now, a year ago, people were questioning this move by Mike Oresko. It's been a great move for television you can check those details out on the blackandgobanneret.com on that. I've got uh, content coming out on fastpitchnews.com with softball podcasts and interviews with players. So, I'm on all I'm all over the place this week, Jeff. So, the best way to do it, go to Twitter Eric Lopezilo, and I'll keep you in the in the loop.
2: All right. And uh, I too will be working on some some off-season things actually uh as well. I'm hoping to do a little bit more uh football analysis sort of in the off-season over the last 5 years. You know, we've had some really good um, uh, data sets, if you will, for it, since 2013. If you include 2013 through 2017, the last five years of UCF football, you kind of get a really good broad set of data. So I'm trying to look at some analyses that I've been ta- that I've been uh, finding out with some of the things that I've been reading about. You know, what has been w- w- what has been working for UCF and what hasn't been over the last five years. I'm hoping to uh, c- kind of trickle a few of these things out in the off season here and there. So you'll get your f- football fix from me. And uh, we'll also be – by the way, I can't even believe that we didn't even mention this. So NFL draft time, right around the corner. Shaquem Griffin, what a weekend for him. Uh four three eight in the 40, 20 reps on the um – on the bench press, he's seeing his draft stock get uh, move up. We'll be taking a look at some of the NFL draft prospects for the for the UCF players coming up. Obviously, Shaquem at the top of the list, but uh, boy, he he overtook uh, NFL NFL Twitter there for a while. Uh, yeah,
0: wait, I mean, Apparently, people found out that he's actually a pretty good athlete and a good football player. Wow, shocking,
2: shocking <laughs> that the guy was you know he was the defensive player of the year in the conference not this past year, but the year before. And uh, lo and behold, hey, this Shakeem Griffin guy for UCF is actually pretty good. Who would have thunk it?
0: Yeah, that's why it's hilarious. That's why I hate combines. Like, oh, wow, he could run up 40. Wow, he could do that. Yeah. Have you not watched right. tape? Guy, he's a football player. He's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted on the second day. I've always felt that way. He's going to, you know, the question for him in the next level is going to be, what is he? Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Right. Is there a defensive scheme that could use his, his strengths? We will see. But I mean, obviously, good for him. But I mean, I laugh when people are like, oh, like, wow, he, yeah. that's unbelievable. He did that. So good for him and good for the for everybody. And you know, pro day for them will be a couple weeks away.
2: And we'll be taking a look at uh, it, we'll be taking a look at that, and we'll be diving into some NFL draft stuff in our next few shows. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up, Eric. Thanks again, and uh, enjoy the yep. uh, tournament in Amway, brother.
0: Uh, Will, by the way, we, since we're talking about women's tennis and their drought, I'm going to leave you with this. You know, guess the last year that women's tennis at UCF made the NCAA tournament.
2: Uh, can I get within a five-year range? Sure. 19, I'm going to say 1998. Uh, you kind of yeah. You took the under, two thousand and two. Okay, I was within five years. <laughs> yeah, sixteen years, Jeff. Sixteen years, and they may.
0: So we're going to have to monitor this women. We're going to have to monitor this women's tennis story. I think as we move forward, because sixteen year drought, which is obviously yeah. the longest on campus, men's tennis ended their drought last year with o five. Right now, it's women's tennis at o two, and then men's basketball at o five, or yeah. the two long droughts.
2: There we go. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Thanks again to you for listening. You can always follow us at Black and Gold Banner. All
0: right. I'm ready for some hoops. I'm going to go see some basketball, Jeffrey. Talk That's to right. you later, bud.
2: And we will be following you, Eric Lopez, at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow Brian Murphy at Spokes underscore Murphy. Uh, and follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. They will be carrying, uh, t- keeping an eye on everything that goes on with UCF uh, and throughout the American at the American Athletic Conference uh, basketball tournament here at Amway. Uh, this year. You can follow us also at Facebook.com slash black and gold banneret, and as always at black and banneret.com Thanks again for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.